Hey, hey D&D, D&D fam. fam. I'm Quick. And I'm Lee. And you're listening to Divas, Divas and Duckets. So what is a diva? I think divas get a bad rep. But to me, diva is all about the attitude. As for ducats, it's your finances, your assets, Skrilla, Guap, your coin. We're talking all things with the potential to affect your pockets. And while we're attorneys by trade, we are divas by choice. Divas and Duckets is for entertainment purposes. Y'all, we are not Series 511 <laughs> or 703 professionals. This does not create a financial advisor nope, nope. or attorney-client relationship. The views expressed here are solely our opinions and the opinions of our guests. It's just our opinions, y'all. Okay, Divas, let's talk Duckets. Hey, D&D fam, what's poppin'? Hey, hey, thank you for joining us again back here on Divas and Duckets. Hey, family. Hello. So, as you can see, I had to be out of town, but I will be back in effect with Quick very soon. Yes, miss you. But the show had to continue. Mm -hmm. So, real quick... Um, what do we have going on that the people should attend? Look, so the first weekend in October, we are going to be co-hosting the Black Wealth Summit in South Carolina. We definitely have that link in our bio. We're super excited. It's going to be a wealth of information related to finances, not um, they're just talking about a gamut of things. We're going to be talking about building businesses, how to continue generational wealth, how to even start you know, even if you're not on a generational wealth mindset and you're just trying to just get out of debt, you know, we'll be talking about the whole yeah. whole gamut of things. So I'm super excited. It's going to be over 200 people in the building, um, you know, mm-hmm. like minded. And I am just so, so excited to be yes. part of the co-host for that. And there is a if you're concerned about, you know, COVID precautions, mm-hmm. who knows what will be. There's also a virtual option. Right. So make sure you explore that. You get many of the same benefits, mm-hmm. same wealth of knowledge, just from home or wherever you choose to be. So yeah, definitely For check sure. that. Yeah, because we we don't like you said we don't know what COVID about to do, but <laughs> there is right. that virtual option. You can buy the tickets. Please hit the link in our bio. There is a link for you to go directly there and purchase tickets. So what are we going to be discussing today? We're gonna be tackling that degree cost. How much? Ooh, how much degree cost? Yes, yes, yes. So, as y'all know, we are both attorneys by trade, so mm-hmm. we do have those degrees that cost how much? But yes, we do have varying um, beliefs about education and the cost of degrees. You know, mm-hmm. when it comes to that and just in our experiences and you know what we're hearing and even our journeys to getting to the salaries that we have now we know that um in in today's society having a degree does not guarantee you a high salary right um that's often what they preach to you or teach to you in (laughs) middle school and high school you know um and also depending on what what generation you come from, right? We have right. a lot of entrepreneurs in our generation now, you know, mm-hmm. in our age group. But for a lot of our parents, I will say in the 60s, 70s, you know, that age group, because they came from a time where they could not go to college, right? Um, yeah. Where they were prevented. A lot of our parents, and it's, you know, crazy to say that, but a lot of our parents were those first generation of integration 
of schools, right? So it's not very far removed. So it was understandable why they pushed education and going to right. college and those things because it was something that was denied to them. Right. Um, and I, then the thing, like you were saying, like first generation, there are people, especially if you think about, you know, those of us who are part of Greek letter organizations, mm-hmm. there were African Americans, people of color going to school. Right. But that was seen as a luxury. Like the, uh, absolutely. the people who were going to college were from affluent families mm-hmm. or families who could afford to, you know, that was that was a, a luxury for it lack was. of yeah. Most people could not afford to do so and then were in you know, if you were in the South, for example, in early 1900s, a lot of people were sharecropping, which is honestly a, a occupation where you continue to go into mm-hmm. debt. Like every mm-hmm. time you were trying to climb your way out of debt by growing crops, but then you had to pay for equipment, housing, like everything was nickel and dime, yep. you know? So like you said, it, it's, it's crazy to think that, but yeah, your grandparents or even your parents mm-hmm. uh, many times are, if you're not yourself, first generation college. And because people back then they worked physically, yeah. you know, laborious jobs. A lot of times you wanted, you know, that generation wanted their kids to go a little further mm-hmm. be able to do more. And so that was seen as a vehicle to not have to break your back right. for a back, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and, and that and you know is completely, like you said, understandable. In my my household, my mom was the first person you know in in our family to to go to college. You know, so I'm mm-hmm. a second generation um, college student. But me and my mom went to college at the same time. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know it, there cool. was yeah there was something to look back on and get all this experience from because we were learning it at the same time. You know, so. Right. It's just, I don't know. Sometimes I just think about that. Like you said, um, just crazy to think that it's so close, mm-hmm. so close to us. But um, in that, we definitely understand um, the the push to, to go to college, right? To get that right. education and in their mindset that meant getting a good job. And mm-hmm. again, in that generation, it did mean that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it definitely did mean that but as more people acquired degrees and you know obviously when we came out what we learned was going Mm -hmm. to college what they what do they want they wanted that work experience right they wanted an entry-level position but the entry-level position will say three to five years experience right and they want to pay you like your entry level mm-hmm. so it was that whole aspect and frustration it became the joke right how do you get experience with no experience right right so yeah i think and especially because our you know if you're millennial or even some gen x um you kind of were coming of age when there were varying financial crises right mm-hmm. so i know i was coming out of college right around 2008 2009 mm. well, what was going on then it right. was it was the really bad right exactly um i came out of law school a few years later but it still wasn't much better in terms of recovering with those jobs mm-hmm. so many times you know those of us who kind of entered adulthood or early adulthood around those times that even hampered things so if you felt if that was true at some point the aspect of okay you go to college you're getting some debt but then your salary will make up for that right the crisis wiped that out completely now arguably this this pandemic is a form of financial crisis as Mm -hmm. well i mean it wasn't a market crashing but you know jobs have been lost there's you know a shortage of just about all kinds of things Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so if you're, you know, like I said, if you were in college around that time, now you have dealt with in your working life too financial impact right. um so so it's definitely a shift right now in the economy right mm-hmm. and what some jobs are willing to pay despite having whatever experience right. so so like let's get into just how much nowadays an education costs because like my dad uh, my dad was first gener- both of my parents were first generation college mm-hmm. and they worked while they went to school right. my dad actually worked full-time and went to school mm-hmm. and so he graduated with no debt mm. um she um took out student loans but and again you know they change policies once people get up on it they they moved the totem pole my mom at the time was able to wrap her student loans into their mortgage Mm. which no mortgages have a much lower interest rate Mm -hmm. um and so she technically didn't have debt because they wrapped it into the mortgage and paid it off that way nowadays depending on the well first of all nowadays you're not wrapping no loans i was like wait a minute that's no longer that's no longer an option (laughs) although if you owe you know if you owe 20 30 000 you're like you know what Right. Makes sense. But that's not an option nowadays. And the cost has gone up, right? Mm-hmm. So it just is crazy. So the average cost right now, just you know, across the United mm-hmm. States for in state public um universities is right around eleven thousand dollars. Now that does not include room and board. Mm-hmm. So all these figures, when you you want to add about Seven thousand, maybe more, if you're in your major cities like San Fran, New York, mm-hmm. the DMV area where housing costs more. Um, so the average is about eleven thousand dollars for in-state public um, universities. Okay. If you're an out-of-state resident, so let's say I'm in North Carolina and I went to some school in Maryland, that's a public uh, public university. I'm paying basically twice that, so mm-hmm. more like twenty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Um, and so when you multiply that by four right. before you add room and board you're looking at what forty five thousand mm-hmm. to eighty thousand right. dollars for undergrad for a public university right private universities per year are right around before room and board of course right around forty to forty five thousand per year mm. so if you go to a private university no kind of scholarships you can easily come out owing one hundred hundred twenty thousand dollars right yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's that's those numbers are like daunting. And I, I know when you were saying it, I was like, you know, make sure that they're clear that that's per per year. You know, because eleven thousand doesn't sound so bad. You know, if it's a right. four, four year degree, okay, I can get that. Everybody, that's, like, that's a little cheap car. I can pay that off right. about a year too. No, no, cheap. no, no, boo boo. That is <laughs> per year. That's that's yeah. per year, right? Um, mm-hmm. and it's a lot. And I think. When you just think about the cost, you you want to know what your return is, right? So, you know, okay, I'm paying $44,000. Um, you know, HBCUs, I think some of them are a little cheaper. They can be like twenty-five dollars to $30,000 um, for the four years. And But you want to come out. You're hoping that the deal will be you come out with a job that pays you at least twenty-five to 30000 44,000 to 100,000 whatever mm-hmm. that degree cost that you're instantly going to get that return on that investment mm-hmm. as soon as you step out the door right no experience because you didn't you didn't spend four years in college where are you going right. to get this work experience from you know exactly. um exactly. and then most people you know undergrad I did work a full-time job um 
and I came out early because you know taking extra credit, just ambitious. Uh, but and I, I was out. Enjoy that. You're an adult with no responsibilities. That's the only time in life. I just told my niece, girl. Right. Work hard. Yeah. Hear me. Work but hard. Enjoy your college. But enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And I mean, that's that's so real. That's a that's a whole other story for my life. But, um, you know. When I when I did, you know, work, even still, even though that was work experience, it wasn't experience yeah. in my field. Right. So, right. you know, I worked a full time job and it paid some bills, but it was yeah. not work experience in my business degree. Um, right. So, you know, even for those that are working, you know, unless you can get some really great internships during that undergrad mm-hmm. time, um, most of the time when you come out with that work experience, it's not going to be related and can't be used um, on that resume for work experience mm-hmm. that could be used to teach that employer that you're responsible right, right. Um, to yeah. show that you had good work ethic but it mm-hmm. still might not be in the position to get you the, the job that would pay that that salary and to be honest if you think about it depending on your you know field of study most of the times you need the jobs that are more flexible right mm-hmm. your retail your server jobs right. things like at for right, college for sure um, especially if, if you even have time so the people who the fields we tend to think of as high paying mm-hmm. like your medical fields and whatnot they got all, so many classes and labs and chemistries i don't know when you have time right. really to work a job mm-hmm. right or at least not a some kind of unpaid situation out you know as a part of your studies right. um i think there are some like i used to see and i'm not sure if that was more of a um work study situation if it could be applied to your tuition but I do remember that we had students they were usually grad students that were like our teaching assistants mm-hmm. so I do know those are like certain ways you can you know maybe have a stipend mm-hmm. or supplement um, but again you know the, a, a lot of academic tracks are rigorous right so yeah. you have to kind of balance that time versus what you're here for right to study yeah. so I think that Unfortunately, the cost of tuition has gone up so much that even if you do work right now, unless you were a part-time student, mm-hmm, maybe, mm-hmm. it's really not fiscally, I, I don't see a way to actually pay for school while working. Like mm-hmm, parents, mm-hmm. I literally, there are people in my parents' generation that say like, yeah, I worked full-time as a server and I paid my way through college. And I'm like, how? <laughs> so I don't, like, it's, you know, it's. It's tough. So it is tough, and I mean, it's it's just a different beast. Because again, you know, in in law school, I, I took a non traditional route. Um, mm-hmm. I went to an evening program. I wasn't in a day okay. program, so during the day, I worked at IBM. Um, okay. And I still, you know, worked a full time job while I was in law school. And I'm going to tell you, it was hard as hell, you know, um, but I did do it. But again, I was I did it because I had an evening track. Now, if I had been right. full time during the day, like most law students aren't going three years, I went four years. Um, okay. It would have been a completely different different story, you know. Right. Um, but I, I do understand it because there are a lot of working parents that, that were in that evening program. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was kind of the unicorn in the evening program because that's usually what it was made for is is working right. parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, people do do it. Uh, but, again, you know, I think also it goes to the whole you hear it now and and i will say that i believe that it to be true that if you choose to go to college those are going to be some of the best years of your life right um Mm -hmm. i I wouldn't necessarily recommend that if my child decided to go to college that he needed to work through college um if if i'm able to do that because i do think there was an experience there that i did not get 
because mm-hmm. I worked so hard while I was in college, you know. But again, you know, coming out of it, there's also debt that I don't have that other sure. people have. So, I mean, it's just it's just a way, a way you know, the, uh, the balance of the things. But mm-hmm. regardless, I still didn't come out of law school or undergrad going straight into the field that I wanted, right? Right. It's definitely a trade-off, mm-hmm. right? Because I say, like, because I think there's something But first of all, your 20s are like the... <laughs> wildest and most <laughs> lesson ridden time of your life. Right. So I won't say like you're not, you know, oh, your college is done, like you're not going to have any more fun. Right. Because eventually when you become a little more fiscally, um, less fiscally challenged yeah. than you probably are in college, yeah. you do have certain experiences that are like, this is nice. Like, right. oh, I don't have to share a hotel room with six people. Like, <laughs> you know, but it's it's the best from the aspect of, like I said, like you're an adult, yeah. but you don't have those adult, for the most part, you don't have those adult responsibilities, mm-hmm. that adult electricity, right. you know, that adult right. mortgage or rent. I mean, you have roommates, but it's just, it's a fun time. It's the yeah. only time where you'll sit up on a Tuesday night and random things will happen. You might end up on a whole different campus. You're not doing that <laughs> on a Tuesday night at 35. No, just not. going to work in the morning. I got to be exactly. in bed by 930. <laughs> exactly. So from that aspect, it is, yeah. I, I am an advocate of mm-hmm. if you go to college to have that student experience. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, there's varying um, views on, you know, that's why people are pushing making education or at least um, community college education free, right? Because the debt burden right now mm-hmm. is a part of the reason that my, so I'm a millennial and, you know, that gets varying reactions mm-hmm. from varying people. It is what it is. Um, we are the first generation that is poorer than the generation before us mm. in a really long time. Typically, as we talk about building generational wealth, each generation positions the next generation to do just a little bit better and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. Well, this my generation, because we have all this student debt and all these you know economic crises we've dealt with, many of us cannot afford one of the main vehicles for generational wealth, which is home ownership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think they're making some changes because I know, you know, just just uh, full transparency, I had a hard time and I had a decent job and credit score and all of that getting approved to buy a home because they were using my student loans, mm. making it look like my DTI was too, the ratio was off. Right. So the way that they were calculating my debt to income was based on a repayment plan that I didn't even have, mm. right? So, you know, just to get into that, like after you go to school, you graduate, congratulations, celebrate, you're going to get a letter and they tell you, <laughs> you got six months to figure it out and we're going to send this first deal. Right. So right now they have done a little better. Um, they had your traditional 10-year payment. Now, mm-hmm. if you owe 20000 30000 a 10-year payment might be very manageable. Like, okay, I, you know, that's what, $2,000 a year? Like, right. I can make it. But when you owe $100,000, $150,000, $200,000, exactly, you're now having to pay to live somewhere and pay that price twice, essentially, in your student loans under that traditional payment. Mm-hmm. So now they've rolled out a number of... Um, repayment plans and I would implore you like if you do have student loans to definitely contact your lender and see what's available if you're struggling one of the main ones that people tend to use is the um 
you know, just pay by income or income-based plan. Mm -hmm. And so what that plan does is they look at your, essentially you send your taxes in, uh, tax uh, return in every year. And it looks at your, not only your family size, but your income to determine what you should be paying. So someone making 50,000 and it's just them will be paying a little bit more than someone who makes 50,000 and they have two children. Because essentially, you know, your household is being, that's going to stretch you thinner to pay the same price Mm -hmm. as a person Mm -hmm. who doesn't have children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are varying plans, but it, it just really continues to be a struggle for a lot of people who, again, a lot of us were probably disillusioned and felt like, okay, I was told go to school, get a mm-hmm. good education, get this great high paying job. And that's not what's happening. Right. Um, I think we discussed in that, in, in that um, episode where we talked about that six figure income mm-hmm. that most people actually, at least in the United States, earn less than 70000 um, I think it actually um, falls in between about thirty to fifty, depending on what you're doing. Mm. So when you take that, when you take that figure of okay, I went to let's say I stayed in state and went to a four year institution. If I owe fifty, sixty thousand after room and board and everything, because most people do borrow enough for room and board so they don't have to work. Right. But I'm coming out to a position making forty thousand. It's gonna be a while before I can catch up or even mm. feel like I caught up because again. Now the bills have come. I still have to pay to live. I still have to eat, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So I I definitely think it's something that we have to try to mitigate. And even for some, explore different options. If if you're already kind of like, eh, I don't really know if I want to do the college thing, Mm -hmm. right? So, so let's kind of shift to that. We know the problem. We know nowadays that, you know, education doesn't necessarily get you that, you know, tremendous income. Um, It doesn't necessarily put you in a financial position in life where you feel like you really got ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are some of the things that people can explore if maybe they're on the fence about college? Like, what are some of the things? And before we get get into that, I do want to say... Um, for student loans, when they're you're going through, because honestly, I didn't know this until I was in law school, and my roommate told me I had saw her mm-hmm. get like this big check because an undergrad again. I was on scholarships, so I didn't know nothing about it. Um, mm-hmm. In law school, I saw her get this big check, and I was like, "How are you getting that?" She was like, "Oh, just maximize your loan, right?" Um, and it was max just out, yeah, just max it out, and you get this check. So I will say to the contrary to that, um, get what you need. Right. If you if your loan is enough to, you know, get through your tuition and board and your room and board, you, you do not have to max out the loan that they are, are, are giving because you, you're paying it back. It's a loan and they're called right. loans for a reason. And they usually right. don't break that down to the freshman. But they don't. They call it a <laughs> refund check. So you think right, oh, right. They, you owe me. Right. So um, I would I would just say that real quick. Like, don't max out if you don't have to max out. Now, um, mm-hmm. for those people that are on the fence and you know I always say like college is not for everyone um and some a lot of times you could see that while a child is going into school right like if they are I don't know that just disinterested in school they are um not you know not getting the best grades like I don't feel like you should set your child up for failure because you have it in your heart that your child has to go to school um and the last place a child needs to experiment with where they decide that they want to get educated is in a university. It's right. exp- that's an expensive experiment that you're going to have to pay back if that child ends up dropping out. You're going to have to pay it back whether they get the degree or not. So mm-hmm. I will say um, some other options to that are skilled trades. 
Um, right. A lot of times that, you know, they are not going anywhere. Skill trades yeah. are not for a very, very, very long time. And even when the robots come and this world becomes our robot, there's going to be somebody that has to manually go and mechanically take care of those robots, right? Skill trades are not going mm-hmm. anywhere. So those are, you, you know, your plumber, the mm-hmm. lawn maintenance person, the HVAC person. Um, Electrician. Yeah, any, if you think about a house or an apartment, anything that you had to call a, a service person for, um mm-hmm. When you go get your hair done, your la- all all those are to me skilled trades, right? And you just right. think about things that you have to use with your hands, your things hands. that are there that are hands on. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, those skilled trades pay very, very, very well, yes. and they don't have the cost. Of, one, they don't take four years to get, True. and two, they don't have they don't come with the um, the price tag of a four year degree. If they mm-hmm. require a degree at all, you know, cosmetology, usually it's a license. Barbers, usually it's a license a few months. Yeah. Um, and depending on how earnest you want to be now, you do have to build up your clientele with those sure. with those kind of, um, you know, those kind of skill skills. But, you know, a lot of people that especially like the people that are able to do hair and, and do hair because y'all could be charging the college students. They they need their hair. The people are always gonna need their hair done, right? Yes. Um And you make a pretty pin like a, I mean, you know, we know out here some weaves out here five hundred, six hundred dollars. Listen, a good bundle. You paying <laughs> at least upwards of a hundred dollars for a bundle, then right? You need about two or three bundles for a head. So. Exactly, and I don't <laughs> I don't really see nowadays really getting any kind of hairstyle that requires braiding or anything like that you charge less than $50 for it that no. that's a nice that's a nice penny it's, I don't know too many people out here making $50 an hour that might be a college price you need <laughs> right you're not that, that, that's, what I said. that's on the low low, low low end right so right. um and then like when you know you think about skilled trades like I think about um the trucker Mm-hmm. Now, of course, it could vary whether you're a local driver or whether you're driving from East Coast to West Coast or, you yeah. know, how, how that is. But most mm-hmm. CDLs cost anywhere from like $75 to $100. Right. Um, the average training course for becoming a trucker is like $5,000. But yeah. the average salary on the low end is $50,000. Now, I, I don't know what kind of, that's like a hundred, that's a thousand percent. It might be more than that. It might be ten thousand percent. That's a great return on your investment. Five thousand in, I'm gonna give you fifty thousand. Right. And then, I mean, those people they make their own times. You know, eventually they can get right. to the point where they can own their own trucks. They can make mm-hmm. their own schedules, and they ha- they have that flexibility. Eventually, um, right. I will say the big thing about skilled trades that um, you know having because my fiance does HVAC, you know, he Mm -hmm. skilled trades and and is big on that. I will say that the big thing on that, and I guess it's the same way if you have a a degree, but you have to build up that experience. You know, with us, I guess we have like mentors and things like that. Um, With them, they do a lot of apprenticeships. Um, So you do have to build up those skills. But once you build up those skills, you can pretty much call your own hours your own dollars pick up the clientele you want laid it down um but it doesn't come with that that bill and you know I, I'm very big on that I you know 
I'm always talking about my father, but um, my father did do military for a long time, but he picked mm-hmm. up. We, if you come in my parents' house, there's a whole wall and it's just full of certificates. And it was funny because my mom would be like, put my degree up there. Like she would have her, her bachelor's degree. My daddy moved some of his certificates to the side. Mama put her two and three certificates. My daddy got certificates in everything. You did not never see that man without a, a home handyman book. You know what I'm saying? So he, he knew how to build computers, like he, all the things. Like he had so many um skilled trades and when he retired out of the military I saw him make so much money off of his skilled trades building trailers he taught us how to do all of those things he had yeah. two garages in the back with a lift like he knew how to do automobile stuff my daddy he just was the epitome of a skilled trade person you know mm-hmm. um so I know it definitely makes makes you money without having to have the cost of it um and I don't know I mean I guess I don't know. Do you feel like some people like kind of look down on that because it's not a, a college degree or? I think it, now this is going to sound very lawyer me. It depends. <laughs> I think that that group, there's a group of people. Um, and I think it kind of falls along the line. I'm not going to get too far into the history, but like your, your Frederick Douglass versus mm-hmm. your W.E.B. Du Bois. Right, right. Right. Like there are some people who feel like, you know, especially within community of color more Mm -hmm. so that you know those of us who have the mental fortitude and certain skill set that talented him we should go to school and become these affluent you know various professions and show a certain group of people that we are just as good we're just as smart we almost like prove ourselves and then you know lift others up trickle down Mm -hmm. what have you Mm -hmm. and so i do think there that there are some folks who unfortunately look down upon or almost put certain uh professions into like cast Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or treat certain professions like quote the help um now i think there's another group of people i'm I'm just saying clear they are Helping, I mean, but the help in like a negative way. I mean, gotcha. they're helpful, of course, you need them. But I'm just saying, like, you know how some right, people they consider somebody to help. Like, yeah. like, side note, not to get off on a tangent, I cannot go out to eat with people who talk to waiters a certain way. I cannot stand it. Fact. Certain people just like treating like certain professions as beneath mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it. I don't know if it makes them feel better about themselves or what. Same thing with customer service folks. I can't vibe with you talking to people just reckless, right. just because they're I in a certain agree. field. I can't. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, there are folks within that population, that mindset that, you know, to aspire to make a certain set that's, you know, six figure thing, mm-hmm. a certain type of, you know, bad clothes, car. And not saying the people that have those things are like that. I'm saying there's a subset, mm-hmm. usually within that kind of belief system that can kind of feel like, why would you do that? You know, um, and there are others who are just like, that's a noble profession. Mm-hmm. I mean, we think about, we said, um, I can't remember what episode, probably the 100,000, that teachers are vastly underpaid. Right. And no one disrespects or feels like, oh, teach, a teacher, I couldn't mm-hmm, watch. Mm-hmm, could mm-hmm. right. So, you know, I think that, unfortunately, there is a view that some people, and I, again, I think it's just one of those maybe because at one point it wasn't attainable. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not that far. It wasn't that long ago that we had, like, your first black attorney, your right. first black right. doctor, etc. Not long at all. 
yeah so sometimes you know it is what it is mm -hmm. um but i don't think there's anything to look down upon about the fact that average general contractors you get enough experience on average they earn at least seventy-five thousand. Right. like I said before that's more than most in mm -hmm. the united states mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um average electrician again right right there with your uh truck drivers 50 60,000 right. HVAC and again that's average that's, so, and that's starting yeah. right so yeah. if you are in you know unless you work certain times if you work for certain companies they might have you hourly so you might mm -hmm. not again, you might have to climb the rungs for mm -hmm. these like major HVAC companies right. etc if you're like you said you're out on your own and you're securing contracts um I don't know that we've talked about it but in um, governmental contracts, they're mandated to preserve or allocate a certain amount mm -hmm. of contracts to your women-owned businesses, mm -hmm. your minority-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, if you're out here, you're a general contractor, you're minority-owned, you speak, are already And speaking eligible. of that, make sure that to what she's saying, in order to get those contracts, you do have to file for a certification for that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if you are out here as a minority-owned business, a woman-owned business, a veteran, please, 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 it is very easy to go get you a DUNS number and to file for that certification, um, right. and fill out that application. It may take you a few hours to do so, but it will be mm -hmm. worth it because, like she said, there are dollars set aside just for you. Right, just for equity, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. So... <laughs> So that's the thing like that those, those money's right there who knows how much that contract might be worth mm -hmm. you know so um you know i think about stuff done at my house i had to get my driveway poured do you know how much concrete is girl fences okay <laughs> so, that's, that's one customer if yeah. one person is paying you five thousand dollars for you know a fence ten thousand dollars for a long driveway that was what a week maybe worth the work right so that's why i'm saying like i ain't looking down upon i wish somebody did teach me a skill i'd be right because right right. so. i don't make five thousand in a week i mean <laughs> okay so I, I think those are definitely things to look at and the other thing is like mitigating some of that cost or trying mm -hmm. to reduce some of that cost up front right so generally if you can parents when they you know they know they have kids at some point before the child hopefully before the child is 18 you start putting money mm -hmm. aside mm -hmm. for college or as much as you can afford to do um i know one thing that you're a fan of is the 529 mm -hmm. plan so mm -hmm. they vary in different states they vary as far as like what you can do um and and i guess the aggression level mm -hmm. because to an extent like they're stock you know right. you're investing, things like that um i will say a possible not substitute but maybe you could do a little of both mm -hmm. brokerage account so a brokerage account is essentially the same thing you could be as aggressive or not as you want to and it's basically your money is being invested if you're aggressive in stocks mm -hmm. if you're less aggressive things that are safer like your bonds etc um but unlike a lot of 529s you don't have to use those funds mm -hmm. for education mm -hmm. so if your child decides oh i want to study abroad and do a art apprenticeship or i just want to travel and backpack through europe mm -hmm. you can take those funds out once you're done being disappointed mm -hmm. you know you take those funds out and you know because let's be honest certain parents <sighs> have certain for their children yeah. and they, they're gonna have to deal with that mm -hmm. sit on the couch for a little bit um if that if that's not what your child right. chooses so with a brokerage account it's very liquid so if you needed to get those funds for any mm -hmm. reason 
It's very easy to, you know, there's not a lot of red tape into getting your money. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's not tied to a specific purpose. There's right. less um, regulation around, it's your money. You can use right. it how you want. Um, so that's an option that you can do either in tandem or instead of their 529s. Mm -hmm. um, scholarships. Man, listen. I, you know, and I, um, I had to put the link in our bio because I actually got one the last two years for my older nieces and nephews. Mm -hmm. There's a book, I mean, it's available like in your Barnes and Noble, Amazon, but every year it's like the 2021, the 2022. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a huge, it's a thick, but it's at least four or 500 pages of scholarships. And the first 50 pages teach you the process of looking for scholarships, how to choose the right one that's for you because your guidance counselors at, at, at high schools, of course they'll tell you about the big name ones, right. Your, your Bill Gates one, which is an awesome one. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's also lesser known uh, mm -hmm. scholarships. There are literally scholarships for being left-handed. Mm -hmm. There's scholarships for, you know, if you play chess. Um, so there's, there's scholarships for being legacy at a certain college. Like Right. So definitely those books, I want to say that book was maybe $30. Mm -hmm. Look, start looking into to books like that and applying. Some of those scholarships are as easy as filling out an application. Mm -hmm. Some of them require an essay, but usually they're not long. Um, definitely take advantage of that because that's what a $30 investment, right. but thousands of dollars in that book. And I say, you know, I think when people think scholarship, they think of, oh, this person got a full ride. Mm -hmm. or, oh, this person got a partial ride. But the thing is, you can piecemeal scholarships. It don't matter how much the scholarship no. is. That's $500, $1,000 less that you have to pay. Mm -hmm. So I would even while you're in your student is in school, there's there's scholarships for kids that are already in undergrad mm -hmm. or even grad school, because unfortunately, our society doesn't always respect just your undergrad degree, depending on your field of study. They want you to go get some more debt. Go to <laughs> keep going. <laughs> just keep studying. So, right. So <laughs> that would be the thing, too, like um, that if you're. Um, it doesn't matter if you're a parent or you or yourself are in a sorority or fraternity. Most of them, um, a lot of them have scholarship mm -hmm. monies that they give out every year. Mm -hmm. You can apply. Um, and so, like I said, you think, oh, that $1,000, $2,000, oh, that's not really making a dent. If you get five, ten, fifteen, dollars <laughs> right. $2,000 scholarships right. every year, you are chunking away at that average of what? Basically $20,000 mm -hmm. room and board? Yeah. And and I think that 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 is such an important point because I think sometimes we see these, um, you know, news articles or um, informationals where you see somebody oh they amassed four hundred and twenty seven thousand dollars in scholarships right. Mm -hmm. A lot of that was those little five hundred dollars here, a thousand dollars here, um, mm -hmm. and you can also have scholarships so they're assigned to that school so you don't even have to worry about taking them out depositing an account taking it right in the right. check they can go straight to the school come off their bill and you could be done with it right um mm -hmm. and i think also it's a good time to start a lot of times people start their their child's senior year and it right. feels very pressured at that oh, point in time yeah because yeah, you're, you're you're racing against as First of all, everything that comes with being a senior and all the stuff you have to pay then. Right. But, you know, I think it's really helpful to start even as early as being a sophomore um, mm -hmm. to start looking into these scholarships. At least you can start underlining them and, and getting into your head about where you are. I mean, right. Applying to college, I think you were saying it, like there's this, uh, 
link or I think you were saying it was like a business that you go and apply to just that business and it sends it out to multiple locations to help you apply mm-hmm. so you're not submitting all these different applications right. um, for college. So I think there are a lot of tools that you can use to help try to minimize college when it comes to like scholarships and grants, right? Um, right. Even even coming down to what, what do you want to study? STEM? Mm-hmm. Man. If your child is good in math and science and they actually like math and science because once they started putting letters in my math, it was over for me. So, but if your baby could do it and they like to do it, there are so, so many opportunities for STEM professions. Yes. Like that's everything from computer science, mm-hmm. the folks who build these robots. Yes. Um mathematician yeah, they need y'all yeah. they need y'all and they will pay they will pay for it they so will. um you also talking about um i mean i kind of mentioned it like you know going to university is not necessarily mm-hmm. the place where you want to try to figure things out but right. also community colleges are a great yeah. way to cut costs um mm-hmm. you know you can go into a community college do your first two years there transfer it to university at the higher right. more expensive school and finish your last two years if you want to have that university degree. Um, it is right. definitely another way to cut the college. You know, you're, you're still getting those courses that you need. Um, you right. just want to make sure that the college that you're interested in, university that you're interested in, and the community college that you have, that they are compatible as far as transferring those, uh, credit. those credits over. And I know, um, at least in North Carolina, a good deal of the community colleges have this situation set up where after your two years, they will, obviously you have to have the grades. I'm not mm-hmm. saying flunk out and then apply, <laughs> but they will um, at your like North Carolina schools, so mm-hmm. like your UNCG, UNCC, et cetera, they um, will take or honor those credits in some in some way when right. you go to for the four year and the other thing is while you're in high school a way to cut off some Mm -hmm. of that possible debt is um i think they put you on varying tracks like the kind of guidance will ask you what are you interested in you want to go to school and so i think around your junior year it starts that um junior or senior year where you can essentially go to community college for part of your school day so you'll go to your regular classes and in the afternoons you'll go to community college and take Mm -hmm. courses and so many times you can go into even if you start as a freshman at um a cop you know right before your college you go in with college credit. Mm-hmm. So you could potentially go in as a sophomore or even second semester sophomore right. and a year to year and a half off mm-hmm. of what you'll have to worry about paying for because you took classes as a high school, junior right. high school. Yeah. Um, that's definitely something if you, you know, you have a student who performs well academically, has an interest in, in um, attending college, mm-hmm a way to knock some of that off as well. Um, and they can also do that through sometimes through AP classes, um, mm-hmm. get college credits for that. They're, so they're not honors yeah, honors true. courses. They're even higher than an honors course is considered an AP course. And you can get college credit for that. I definitely mm-hmm. know at least three people whose children have gone in as sophomores, even a junior. My cousin went in as a junior um, mm-hmm. to college just taking all these courses that were free to her through high school. Yeah. Now, so that I will say, you might want to get a little too, because you got to test well in those. The yeah, AP class, yeah, yeah. you get credit, but at the end, you have to score. Right. A certain, um, you have to obtain a certain mm-hmm. score to um, get college credit. But right. yeah, definitely a freeway. Right. To <laughs> <knock> <laughs> some yeah. of those. And then 
one of the other things is, um, and it might be just a thing that saves time for some of the ones that are um, interested in, um, like your STEM professions mm-hmm. or your medical professions. And I, it was a lesson that I learned the hard way. Like I said, the joke at Chapel Hill used to be like, everyone goes in a biology major to mm-hmm. take it. So, <laughs> did got um, out. <laughs> so, but the thing is, if you're pre-med, for example, you can to certainly sit. So, a lot of people think, oh, because I'm pre-med, I have to major in biology mm-hmm, or mm-hmm, I have to major if I'm, well, nurses probably, you know, it makes sense to major in nursing. Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in certain things, you can major for the most part law school too. You can major in whatever you want to major mm-hmm. in. The thing is, at least for, you know, med school, law school, there are certain courses that they look for you to take and that you're going to have to show some experience in, right? But if you don't major in them, so let's say I want to go to med school, but I majored in English. I don't know. I'm really good at that. You, because you did not major in biology at your school, you can go to CPCC or whatever your community college is during the summers, which will cost you less money Mm -hmm. to take that course there. You can go take bio again, look up the equivalents online and make sure that they transfer. But you can go take bio 248, Mm -hmm. et cetera, at this other school, possibly, probably pay less money and still get that, you know, those prerequisites that your post-grad degrees want to see. Mm-hmm. So that's also an option to think about in terms of cutting some of the cost of courses um, because summer school is more money. I mean, yeah, right. you might get out a little sooner, but you're still paying money. Um, so just something to think about that just kind of popped up as, you, as mm-hmm. we were talking about it. And I also go back to, um, you know, us talking about the um, five two nines and the brokerage accounts. I think a lot of parents, especially ones that had children younger, and mm-hmm. might not necessarily have even known one or two mm-hmm. been in the position to be able to do that. You know, their yeah. children are in the age of right now, probably 14 to 17, mm-hmm. getting ready to get, it is never too late to start saving no. for college. You know, and like it, it kind of goes back to the scholarships and grants. If you can only save $2,000 before mm-hmm. your child goes to, that's $2,000 that they're not going to own and in student loans, which is interest. Okay. Right on top of that. It's not just two thousand dollars they're gonna have the oldest student, it's student loans plus interest, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and then so, you know, and I think it's very simple to me, I'll say mm-hmm. just a, a, a simple way to do that. Like set aside, you know, fifty to hundred dollars. And people, you know, right. sometimes feel like they well, I don't necessarily have that. And you know, right. I'm I'm good for going straight to nails going straight to you know uh shoes like there, there's there's a way and cosmetics off cut them off right learn to do your own makeup i'm like girl they're gonna be bald what, what? <laughs> so there i mean it is it is a way to find yeah, you know little is. ways to to save up um if that's your child's journey if they want to go mm-hmm. to college and even even still you know I, I worked in high school you know i know that's not everybody's niche but mm-hmm. you know i also worked in high school and put away money for myself so if you have a more um responsible child and you don't feel like it's going to interfere with their education you know are they not in sports because that can be yeah whew, taxing in itself but if they have the ability to do it and you think that you know they're responsible enough to do it and they have the permissions from the schools um even them working and contributing to their own college experience um mm-hmm. can be very helpful before they get into that i will say i had a conversation um with a friend of mine and she moved her child back to um she moved her back moved him back to a public school so he wasn't a charter school and you know I know a lot of the times 
oh my gosh, it starts even before kindergarten and doing all these lotteries and you want your child to be in the best schools and, you know, you go through charter schools and, but Mm -hmm. it's those, um, for here, the West Mexico, a lot of the underserved minority high schools that get all the programs and the funding, right? Um, So she moved her child from a charter school, uh, a very good charter school here in, in Charlotte and put her child back into his homeschool and he ended up getting what in North in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think it's also in Atlanta um, mm-hmm. and a few other cities I can't think of, but I know it's definitely in Atlanta and in Charlotte, but the program's called road to hire and okay. they pay their high school seniors. They get a paid apprenticeship, like a thousand dollars. And then if they fulfill the rules of the program, they also get their pick of college. And they get money towards college. If not the full pay college experience, they get a substantial amount of money towards college, but you have to be in certain schools to do that. And it's not in those charter schools or more affluent schools. So um, sometimes when we think about it, you know, I even think about my son's um, experience from kindergarten to second grade. You know, Mm -hmm. he was in a school that they had all the programs in the world because mm-hmm. of the, the the rating of the school, you know, but he got right. tuition, he got free after school. So mm-hmm. it's not always a bad thing to right. have your children into these schools, especially when it comes to them being juniors and seniors and there there are programs and funding through the state that would be accessible to them at these schools. So just it's just something to look into um, mm-hmm. as your child is going to, because I would much rather, if you, you gonna pay my child to go to school and pay for right. them to have an apprenticeship while they're in high school, and especially if you you can tap into your resources, right? Yeah. Because we were just, um, I was just talking to like my parents about this the other day because um, my dad's from Charlotte. I'm from Charlotte. I know we're like unicorns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you look at, you know, the changes in schools and, and the effects of, you know, we talked about gentrification and mm-hmm. all of that. And so sometimes parents will, you know, rightfully so, I get it, want to send their children to certain schools yeah. or view them as better. Mm-hmm. Um and and things like that and I, and test scores matter certainly yeah but we what you know my father and i the conclusion we kind of came to is you you definitely have to balance out your child's social experience and the actual uh i don't even want to say rating but the what the school can offer your child mm-hmm. um because it is a much different experience being the only at certain schools that are quote better it might not be better for your child. Not saying don't send them, but you really have to balance the two and figure out, like you said, look into the resources, look at what's there for your child. And you know your child. Every child is unique. Right, um, right. And your resources are unique. So you might be able to, you know, let's say you know some teachers or you got some folks. If you're sending your child to one of these schools, but you feel like, oh, I, I want to make sure my child isn't behind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Tap that, that teacher you know, that retired teacher, and be like, hey, do you mind if if I need you to tutor my child right, or can right. you maybe make sure that there's not something we're missing mm-hmm. or what are some things I should be thinking about? Because those teachers, even the retired ones, know about the different programs and different yeah. things yeah, they you should do. think about. They're a great um, resource. Yeah. So yeah. definitely, like, use your village, um, you know, and, and whatever resources you have as you're looking into that. So, well, I think that was a, a great <laughs> Uh, wrap up an episode I don't know do you have any more uh, information that you want to give because I think that was uh, it's it's not talked about much right um, 
you know, and again, we're not pushing you not to go to college, but we are saying that college is not the only way. It's not for everyone. And if you do go, you don't have to come out racked in debt. You know, there there are resources, um, there are tools in, in order to help you get there. If you know if you want to go to college, I will definitely also say get serious about your grades in, in school. You know, help your parents out a little bit. Get okay. serious about your grades so you can get some of these scholarships. Um and, and hit going book. yeah hit the book with your part-time job yeah. money right right the name of that book in the bio yes yes we will definitely put that in, in and also in our show notes for sure so yes yeah so we do have a little let me get it okay and so while Tell quick about is that, that yes. up if you have a question or just something you would like to know from us you can email us diva advice at gmail.com d-i-v-a-a-d-v-i-c-e at gmail.com diva advice so this letter goes dear divas i recently got a promotion which is all good except for the fact that it's now causing problems with a dear friend my best friend has a business idea they would like to start when I share news of my promotion, the first thing she thought to do is pitch her business. It's a great mm-hmm. business ideal, and while I love to support, I don't feel comfortable being the only person investing money. See, my friend is very entrepreneurial, but has many business ideas, and so I kind of want more assurance that this isn't some fly-by-night idea she'll grow bored with. I tried mm-hmm. to explain this to my friend, but it turned into an argument, and I was even accused of being unsupportive. Do you think I'm being unsupportive? What are ways I could show my support while not being totally risky? Risky. Signed, anonymous. Ooh. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. So, okay. I have a couple of thoughts. Um, first, I'll answer your question. Mm-hmm. So, do I think you're being unsupportive? <laughs> I don't think you're being unsupportive, I think. And, you know, shout out to therapy because old Lee might have said something different. <laughs> but I would I would challenge you and your friend to think about and discuss what does support look like? Mm. What does support mean to you? Um, because sometimes, and, you know, Quick and I say it all the time, even with our own ventures, even with our Divas and Duckets venture, right? Your friends are not necessarily your clients. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It doesn't mean they're not supportive. You know, support can be as simple as sharing. Support can be as simple as liking, right. um, comment, you know, getting the word out. Um, so... I think that really has to be the first conversation. Mm-hmm. What does supporting me look like? Um, I'm the type of person, even if it's not for me, if my friend did something, you sell candles, boo, I'm going to buy some candles. Right. Or I'm going to, you know, sign up for a little yoga membership and drop by you or something. You good for that. You know, like, I, that's <laughs> me. But everyone may not be in position yeah. to do so. It might not be their style. Yeah. And that's okay. So, again, that would be the first thing. I don't feel like you're being unsupportive mm-hmm. necessarily because I haven't heard anything like you saying, girl, another business? Ooh, like the last right, one right 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 like you're not doing that even though you said like she's that person that kind of has multiple things that she kind of picks up and maybe puts down so mm-hmm. you're not telling her not to do the business you're not you know speaking negatively so i don't i don't hear anything here that says unsupportive mm-hmm. um i answer your second question before i get to my point like the thing that stood out to me but the other thing is what do you feel is Risky. So, okay, you said something about you don't want to be the only person investing. 
well maybe that's an that's a possibility is to say to your friend like yo I would love to support, but I would like to go in with a group of people to feel like my investment is a little safer, to feel like I have, there's a little bit more of a nest egg. You know, I'm just picking a number, for example, if you need 10,000, like, girl, I'm cool with two or three, but like, let's see if we could get you a few investors um, or even, you know, be girl, be a little angel investor. If you feel like doing it, if you want to be less risky, be like, okay, so I really need to see a business plan. Um, because it's your money, right? So people should come correct. Mm -hmm. um, and what these angel investors that you see on the Shark Tank, they own a part of that business. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can even, you know, that's an if you want to, um, if you want to actually invest in this business, I'm not telling you to do it. But if you see a business plan and this is actually a good business idea, then maybe say, okay, let's do let's do some paperwork. And this is my ownership and my percentage. Mm -hmm. so that's the way to cushion your money and make sure that this person is actually doing the things and following through with the steps that need to be taken right mm -hmm. um or like you said like you, you don't want to be the only person then that onus is on her if she really wants to start this thing you know a lot of people when they do investments every little bit counts if you got five people you know there's so many joint ventures so that should be a thing too if she really wants to do this and she's getting a little bit of financial support from mm -hmm. you then if she needs to find four or five other people that that's what it is um but the thing that stood out to me um outside of you know your questions was i find it interesting i'm trying not to do that thing i think it's funny how but i find <laughs> it interesting that you got a promotion and this friend felt some entitlement to your coin mm. um i don't know if that promotion came with a bonus or a little you know sign on check but mm. you know I, I feel like it's something we talked a little bit about in black tax i think that sometimes especially <laughs> yes we community, especially like a lot of us are in this sandwich generation where mm -hmm. we're taking care of kids and then parents and you know life is what it is people make various decisions or life circumstances happen mm -hmm. that finances are tight um but there's also boundaries right and so i'm not i would never say see someone destitute or whatever but i'm also not going to say to risk making yourself destitute to help someone who is in position to help themselves. Mm -hmm. um, so I really don't understand why your promotion meant this friend's come up mm -hmm. or this friend's mm. seed, business seed money. Um, I'm wondering, and you know, these are resources that you can share with your friend. I'm wondering that this friend talked to folks at, at, at like the SBA or SCORE or these varying places mm -hmm. where they can maybe get some funds or some grants. I'm just... It, that part just kind of rubs me a little wrong. It just, I don't know, that's just me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess piggybacking all the, off the last part, um, I didn't necessarily think about it that way, but once know, you right? said it, I went back and she was like, it's causing problems. So mm -hmm. maybe the way that it was said, it did make her feel a kind of way. Like like you're saying, like she felt kind of like, oh, girl, congratulations now you can invest in my business like it could have been right. something like that for her to feel like it caused some kind of problems and um yeah i mean that's that's a that's a good question that entitlement piece and um for those of you who have not i definitely will suggest that you go back and listen to our episode the black tax mm -hmm. um and for those who don't know what a black tax is is basically when someone does come up um in a job and like she was saying you're now responsible there's some kind of 
moral responsibility um, that your coins have to go back and feed into your family, into your community, into anybody that helped you come up. Um, mm-hmm. It's a really, really great episode, so I would suggest you listen to that plug. Um, <laughs> so I will say this as far as her having many business ideas, right? Where did the other businesses go? Um, I think history is a is is an indicator a lot of times of of future dealings, right? And you cannot ignore those things. And especially in business, right? Like if she has a lot of business ideas, they're not taken off the ground. No, you don't necessarily have to say that because she knows these things, right? You don't necessarily have to bring that up into her to her yeah. face. But I will say two words: equity injection, right? This is what the banks are usually looking at, especially the SBA, when they are going to give you a loan. What have you invested in yourself? I am not going to go into your business idea and invest more in your business than you're willing to put in yourself, right? Because that loss becomes a part. It becomes a part of me, right? Like right. you said. They want you to have skin in the game. Yeah, they, they want you to have skin in the game. So if she is... You know, it could be the greatest business idea in the world, but the only thing that she's done on this business idea is bring it out her head. No, 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 no. I'm, you can't have my pennies because I work hard for my pennies and I work hard for this promotion, right? Okay. Um, now, we can develop this business plan. I can do a lot of things to help you get this business running before I put coins into it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you just have to have some skin in the game before you can come to me and ask me for my ducats. That's that's just is what it is. Um, right. And I have to be able to see your other businesses, are they thriving? If they didn't thrive, why didn't they thrive? Did you learn right. something from Like, there's going to be a whole discussion. And if that's not something that you want to deal with, then that is fine. You don't have to have mm-hmm. my ducats in that hey, we can still be friends, right? But right. I just don't give over money without questions. I'm just not that person. Um, so that that's, that's what I'll say to it. I, I, I don't necessarily think you don't need to invest into her business, but I do think that you need to take the history of what she does, um, how far is she along into this new business idea, um, and, and and see are there other ways that you can help her or maybe connecting to her to other people that can invest into her business like you don't necessarily like you said sometimes it might just be a like sometimes it might be a share promoting like you can help her in other ways than the money but she asked you specifically for money as part of your promotion and part of the business so I you you're entitled to ask questions and right. it, you know if she just ends up popping off and to me that's that's a red flag and you shouldn't ignore it not with your money so what about your friends? <laughs> hope y'all <laughs> hope y'all stay friends. Let us know how this business venture went. You know what I'm saying? Maybe if we can in a future episode promote her as a boss bay. So <laughs> <laughs> So we hope you have enjoyed this episode, Lee. It's been good doing what we do together again. Um yes. and tell us where they can find us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. We are Divas and Duckets. You can find us online, divasandducats.com. And on YouTube, to you who, Lord, <laughs> like, subscribe. You're watching us. Why haven't you done it? Yes. Um, so, yes, we are on the things under Divas and Duckets. Like, Google subscribe. <laughs> right, Google us. Like, subscribe, follow, and share. So, in the meantime, in between time. All right, bye. Bye.